It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Court Case Podcast with me, your host, James Core, and... It's Sweet Tea. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hello, everybody. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to be joined by Athena from the Finding My Fit podcast she's going to be talking to us about her book her own podcast as well as dealing with eating disorders and many other interesting topics all of that is coming right after this guys so stay tuned happy friday everybody we are joined by my host co-host Sweet Tea, as well as Athena from the Finding My Fit podcast. Hello, hi everybody. Uh, so it's really nice to meet you, Athena. How um, how long have you been in the podcast game before? Oh, so firstly, thank you for having me on. And how long have I been in the game? I think I started my podcast around May slash June of last year. So it's coming up to a year, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. Wow. That was, a, yeah, a couple of months before us, so. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people started podcasts last year because they were bored in the lockdown. <laughs> Literally, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. <laughs> so why, like, why did you start one sort of in the first place? Was it just boredom in lockdown or did you have a purpose? Well, I've, I've been listening to podcasts for, it must be about two or three years now. And I've always wanted to start my own podcast. And I just kind of never really... Like, I wanted to start one that was um, with, like, one of my girlfriends, like, chatting about, I don't know, just random uh, here, there, and everywhere, just everything. Um, Mm. And because I'd moved out of my hometown, um, I wasn't really living near enough to them to kind of get together and record the podcast. So I thought, like, so I kind of just thought, oh, I can't really do one because I don't live near my friends who I want to do one with. And yeah. eventually I just got to the point where I was like, why don't I just do one by myself? So I kind of just started it um, just on a whim, really. It was kind of just in the middle of the lockdown. And I was like, there's no better time to start than now. So I just did it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's and good. it's going really well. You're nearly on 2K uh, followers on Instagram. Yeah, I am. Yeah, thank you. That's it's, so cool. <laughs> it's always like a slow growth. And I don't really focus too much on like the followers. It's more like the interactions. And I definitely yeah. I think there's a really nice podcasting community on Instagram. Like everyone's so supportive. So oh, definitely. I really do love that. Yeah. That's sick. And um, what would you say like your favorite experience has been so far doing it? Oh, it's so difficult. I, I honestly love all of it. And I when I started the podcast I didn't really 
it was kind of just like a little passion project like oh i enjoy talking about things so let's put a podcast out there but i think it's grown into like a much bigger part of my life and i do really love the fact that i can do collaborations like we are today i can speak to people from all over the world and these Mm. are people that i would never have spoken to otherwise i'd never have come across them so i think my favorite experience is the fact that i can just speak to people from here like everywhere like every single country so definitely yeah Oh yeah, that's so cool, isn't it? Yeah, we've yeah, I love it. we've done a few so far, and I've really enjoyed the collabs. But um, mm. recently, I listened to I think not your most recent one because you did one yesterday, but um, your one from Monday with um, Liz Newcomer from the Resiliency in Running uh, podcast. Um, yeah. Oh, she's so lovely. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a great one. You guys were both so knowledgeable, and um, it was really nice to hear your experiences. Oh, thank you so much. But, um, I um I listened to your overthinker one because I am an overthinker <laughs> as well. <laughs> oh, I hope that one helps. Yeah, no, it definitely did. It was that. it was a good tip, so I'm gonna try and take them on board. Yeah. <laughs> Have you got a um a favorite collaboration or one that you recommend people listen to? Oh, do you know what I I was trying to think about this and I can't. It sounds really like cliche, but I can't actually pick a favorite because yeah. I feel like all of them have been. The, every single person I've spoken to has had such knowledge and, you know, j- just such good information to share with my listeners. So I can't really, I can't pick a favourite because everybody has been amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I mean, if we if we were posed to put that question, we would probably say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> you also, you don't want any of your collaborators listening to the uh, podcast and be like, ah, what the hell? Exactly, but, yeah. Um, but I see that you're, you've written a book as well. Yes, I have. So my book released last September. And um, yeah, it's, it's been pretty amazing since then. I've had such good feedback and a lot of amazing messages from people who've said that the book has really inspired them. Oh, wow. Is it like on Amazon or? Yeah, so it's called Diaries of an Anorexic, A Recovery Journey. And it's available on Amazon as a paperback or a Kindle. Um, when I first wrote the book, I kind of, I was going to write it just as an ebook, just to, for people to download. But then I put out a little question on my Instagram and I said, do you guys prefer physical books or do you prefer ebooks? And a lot of people said they prefer to have like a paper copy of a book. Yeah. So yeah. I went through like the process of getting it published. And um, yeah, so it's available paperback or ebook. That is such a cool achievement. There, yeah. Oh, thank you so much. It's wow. Al- it's always been on my bucket list to publish a book, actually, at some point in my life. But what what is the publishing process like? Is it difficult to get it done? Um, well, I think there's a couple of different kind of methods you can go down. You can either you can either be kind of fully self-published. It can be like half self-published, half through a company. Yeah. Um, or you can do it, I think, fully through a company. I'm not like hundred percent sure on all the ins and outs but the way I did it was I wrote all of the book myself um I pretty much did all of it and the only thing I got I kind of outsourced was the actual publishing so the putting it on Amazon the um actual printing of it so I kind of yeah the only part that I kind of outsourced was actually putting it online well how long did it uh how long did it take you to write a book um, I started it last, when did I start it? I think, 
I started it not last December, the December before. Okay. So it took to write it. It only took me about six months, and then to actually publish it and get it online, it, it, that process was about three months. But I think, I think it didn't take me very long to write because the book that is available now is literally the first draft of my book. I didn't rewrite it. I proofread it and changed little bits. But yeah. I think when it's your story, it's very easy to write. Mm, yeah, no, I get what you mean. Of course. But, yeah, um... I, I, I found as soon as I kind of started typing, I could easily get through a whole, like, a whole page of writing without even really having to think too much because yeah. it was just my story. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really cool. And um, so because you've been obviously dipping your fingers in a few different um, pies there, if you had to like pick one route to go down professionally, would you rather go sort of like the written route or like the podcasting route? Oh, good question. Yeah, that is such a tough question. And you got it spot on there because I, I have so many fingers in so many pies. And it, it's kind of like, it's got to the point now where I'm like, I need to slow down. I need to, you know, focus on fewer things. Yeah. And I don't, I think, I think if I could choose like one thing that could be like my job, my full-time career, it would definitely be podcasting because mm. like we said before, it, it's, it enables you to interact with different people. I love like just getting my mic out and recording and editing. I love doing the social media for it. Um, so like, I would definitely, I think, in the future, love to write another book. But um, I think if I had to pick one thing, it would be podcasting. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I wanted to, I really wanted to get on to, like, your whole journey with your eating disorder and stuff and tell our listeners about that. Yeah, because, of course. to be honest, I've never really... Well, I mean, a lot of the time, eating disorders are quite a private battle. I don't think I've never really experienced anyone that has disclosed with me anyway that they've had an eating disorder so yeah um mm. it, it would be one of the first times talking to someone for me or, that's had one so like how when did the disorder first like rear its head how long of a battle was it yeah so my i suffered with anorexia um okay. and my i was first diagnosed when i was 13 years old and i would say i was fully recovered at the age of about 20, 21. So mm. I suffered with it for about seven years, pretty much throughout my whole teenagehood. And um, I mean, that is quite a long time compared to a lot of the people I know who have been through it. Mm. For them, it was like, I don't know, a couple of years and then they got treatment and they were kind of on the road to recovery. Um, yeah. For me, I was in and out of treatment, but it did take me that little bit longer. Yeah. But then there are people who can, ne who never recover and they live with it forever. So it, it's it sounds like a long time seven years and it kind of is but at mm. the same time it also isn't because some people can have it forever if that makes sense yeah yeah but you were experiencing it through like your teen years which are like your most important time mm. yeah i think i mean the between like the ages of 12 to 25 is the most common age for people to suffer yeah. anorexia in particular women i mean there are male i'm like i think it's about a quarter or a third of the anorexia sufferers are male but it's predominantly females and yeah 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 it's kind of like i guess it's kind of the worst time to suffer with an eating disorder because that is a time where you're meant to be growing you're yeah. putting down bone mass yeah you're making those social interactions and you kind of miss out on all of that <laughs> if you're anorexic so it can be really detrimental oh, yeah sucks. yeah but i mean i've um i think I, i've watched like i think one 
sort of show on TV uh, that sort of represented uh, anorexia on the screen, and they anorexia, sorry, and they said that um, in the show it was sort of like whenever they looked in a mirror, they did not see a thin person at all. They saw someone that was like sort of normal or fat. And they couldn't see that they were thin. Is that what it was like? It's, yeah, like body dysmorphia is what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of anorexia, I mean, body dysmorphia in itself is kind of like like a separate entity. But okay. definitely a lot of anorexics do suffer with body dysmorphia. I would say for me, I mean, it's it's hard to explain because obviously I looked in the mirror and I could see that I was skinny. I was emaciated. I was very underweight. I could see physically that that was the case. Right. But... At the same time, I didn't think I looked that bad. And right. now when I look at pictures of myself when I was anorexic, I'm like, wow, you! I look so, I look awful. I look like a walking skeleton. Uh. And at the time, I didn't, I was like, oh, I'm a bit underweight, but I don't want that bad. So yeah. there was definitely an element of kind of this body dysmorphia. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's it's kind of scary. Yeah. I yeah. I can't wow. imagine. Because it's like it's like your own your own mind playing tricks on you, like trying yeah, to trick literally. you. That's, yeah, that's got to be an awful thing to to try, especially trying to come to realise that it's not healthy. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's horrible. I feel like with anorexia, you just you. It's like you hate the way you look, and you know that you the things that you're doing are so unhealthy and not good for you. But you just feel this compulsion to continue. Right. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, it's really hard to explain. Yeah, sort of like an addiction, I suppose. In a sense, yeah. It's like an addiction to controlling what you eat and exercising and, you know, the number on the scale. Yeah, of course. And um, do you have any advice for anyone that's listening that might be struggling from these sort of disorders? Oh, yeah, it's it's so difficult. I think... I think the number one advice I would give to anybody who's suffering is to reach out to the people around you and try, because it's very difficult when you are in that mindset to actually open up to people because you feel like nobody understands what you're going through. Nobody is going to be able to help you. But I think reaching out and trying to be open and talking about your thoughts and your feelings will really help in the long run. And just building that kind of network of people around you that you can go to when you are feeling really down or when you're really struggling. Of course, yeah. Communication's key. Yeah, I think it's really good that you have a platform that people can obviously come to you. I don't know if you... Do you get messages from people like coming to you and being like, I'm experiencing this. How did you, you know, cope with it? Like asking for advice, basically. Oh, yeah, I get a lot of messages like that. And I think especially recently because after releasing my book and I have spoken about it like a little bit on my podcast and my personal Instagram before but Mm. I'm trying recently I've kind of um expanded my coaching because I'm kind of like an online coach with health fitness and I've expanded that into eating disorder recovery coaching as well because that's definitely like an avenue that I want to go down I'm really passionate about helping people get through their recovery so i think since i've started speaking about it a little bit more on my instagram accounts i've definitely had a lot more messages like that and um i'm it kind of hurts my heart that other people are suffering but at the same time i love that they've managed to reach out to me and they've you know 
they've felt strong enough to reach out and ask for help. Yeah, no, that's amazing that you're there for them. Mm. Yeah, I think sometimes, even if it's someone you don't know and it's someone on the internet, yeah. if they've been through the same thing, it, it can really help. Definitely. It's not as frightening when you're just messaging someone and having to have a sit down conversation with them. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, judging from these messages that you've gotten and obviously your own experiences as well, how rare would you say eating disorders are? Do you think are they more common than people think or? Oh, I do you know what I I think they probably are more common than people think because not even if someone is anorexic that they, they may not look anorexic you mm. know that that person might be recovering so they're going through recovery so they've gained a bit of weight they might look normal on the outside mm. but they might still be anorexic on the inside at the end of the day these are mental health disorders so yeah the way that somebody looks on the outside doesn't necessarily reflect the thoughts that they're having mm. um so mm. I do think that sometimes people have this misconception of to have an eating disorder, you have to look a certain way. You have to be very underweight. Yeah. And that's definitely not the case. And of course, anorexia isn't the only eating disorder. There's bulimia, there's Ofsted, there's obesity. Mm -hmm. Um, If, I mean, obesity, some people say it's an eating disorder, some people don't. But the point is that, you know, they come in all shapes and sizes. So um, I think they're rarer than people think for sure. Mm. yeah um, sorry more common than people think yeah. <laughs> wrong way around um you i think our generation is obviously i think a very sympathetic for things like this but i mean i've i've seen like on tv and on youtube and and things like that the older generation that are just more sort of just like well why don't you just eat something did you like have Uh, any did you have a good amount of support from like family and friends when you were going through it or was it more like that oh god (laughs) i feel triggered by hearing those words why don't you just eat something because the amount of times i heard that was just insane (laughs) if i got a penny or even like a pound for every time someone said that to me (laughs) Um, oh my god that's awful yeah i think i I honestly think it's just this misunderstanding of um especially because i was going through it when i was in secondary school and people like kids when they're teenagers they're so they don't understand things really very well kids are dicks of what they say (laughs) yeah so i did get that a lot you know i had I, i always remember my friends like you know when you'd be, it would be like break time at school and someone would have like a bag of crisps and they'd mm. share the crisps out to their friends. Yeah. And I always remember them, they would always come to me and I would say, no, thank you, because I, I just didn't want to eat the crisps. Yeah. And they were always like, oh, go on, just be a daredevil, just have one, in like a jokey way. Mm. And it always used to get to me because I just think you have, you're joking about this and you have no idea like yeah. what I'm actually yeah. going through. So. I think in terms of my friends, definitely not really any support there. I mean, they're not my friends anymore. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, my parents were insanely supportive. I couldn't have asked for more understanding parents. That's and good. I think the fact that they've been through this journey with me has made them understand a lot more about anorexia. Um, and really, the only family I have is my parents and my brother. So um, in terms of my family, yeah, I did have a nice amount of support. That's good. Good, yeah. Yeah, they really helped me get through it. That's the most important thing in a way because you just want a safe space to come home to, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. 
But um, I wanted to talk a bit about like the representation of these sort of disorders and things in the media and online and stuff. And um, what are your thoughts on the whole sort of like body positivity movement? Because, for example, I see a lot of when I am scrolling through Instagram, I see a lot of body positivity stuff that's sort of like pro pro overweight people. But I don't see as much when it comes to people that are on the sort of underweight side, for example. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a tough one because I, I'm all for, you know, there isn't one size fits all. People mm. should feel confident and happy in their bodies. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm also a health and fitness coach. Mm. So I, I feel like everybody, I, d I don't really believe that there is health at every single size. Yeah. And I do think that, yes, you should be body positive, but there is a level where you become unhealthy so on both sides whether that's underweight or overweight of course and yeah. i think it's finding that balance um i do think that we are moving a lot more towards accepting different body shapes different body sizes yeah and that's great i love that but i do think at the same time sometimes um being very overweight is i don't want to say glamorized but it's a lot of people are saying that that is acceptable yeah and I do think, you know, do what you want. But I do think there is a point where you become unhealthy. I completely agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. um, you do see these people. I think there was Tess Holiday. I think her name was. That was is really, really overweight. And she's like on all of these uh, magazine covers and stuff. And it's sort of like, what message are you sort of sending to younger people? You know? But... Yeah, exactly. Like, it's so difficult because, yeah, I think it's a very sensitive subject. But I do think that we shouldn't necessarily be like glamorizing someone who is literally like morbidly obese because yeah. like you're just sending the message to people like to children growing up that it's okay to be that overweight and being that overweight is very unhealthy in the long run so yeah yeah Absolutely. it's like it's like finding that balance do you, yeah definitely um do you think the body positivity movement um skews female because like i do not see much in the way of like body positivity stuff for men and for example if you look on like a lot of magazine articles women are referred to as plus size and men are referred to as obese um do you think there's a problem here in this yeah i do i think I think the whole body body positivity movement is very targeted towards females mm. and mm. making females feel amazing at any size. And I I can't say I've ever seen anything targeted to males when it comes to when it comes to body positivity. Yeah. And yeah, I do think I do think there's a lot of different words like plus size, curvy, whatever it is for women. But I never hear those words for men. No, no yeah, definitely. Just, it is always just like fat, obese, overweight. And yeah, I do think it's very one-sided for sure. Yeah. Mm. Dad bod's the only one that comes to mind for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess there is dad bod. But yeah. then that's, I feel like dad bod is not necessarily like obese. It's just like a little bit overweight, isn't it? Or like, yeah. I don't know. I don't really know the terms that well. But like a, yeah, yeah. It's a tiny yeah. bit of podge, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. It's Another... a good word. I love that one. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny word. <laughs> Another thing that I wanted to touch on a lot at the moment is because they're trying to bring in like laws for this stuff as well. It's like the whole sort of airbrush culture of like Hollywood and Instagram and these influences and stuff like that is the way that they can make themselves look so different. 
and mm. um especially i think there was one recently it was one of the kardashians not kim kendall kendall that she did that modeling thing and apparently her photo is so ridiculously airbrushed and she's got like the most followers on instagram so like is that wise for her to be doing on her platform you know oh see i, I yeah i don't really follow the kardashians i can't say i ever really read anything about them yeah that's but, probably um, for the best <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, honestly, I think they're just all very fake, and mm. I can't be bothered. I don't, I don't have time to waste reading. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I didn't realize there were actually like laws being put in place for that kind of thing. They want to, um, I think, or at least like regulations and stuff. Oh, I didn't know that either. Um, in some, yeah, not in every country, in some countries. Wow. Mm. I think. Yeah, I, I'm. I don't mind. I don't know. I don't mind people maybe smoothing their skin like the tiniest little bit, mm. but then. It does get to that point where, like you said, someone looks completely different. And especially yeah. when it's celebrities that have millions and millions of girls or, or males, whoever, mm. looking up to them that are growing up and seeing this level of beauty that they put out on Instagram, even though it, this is a fake level of beauty because it's so edited, mm. these girls and boys that are looking at that think that that is them in real life. Yeah. yeah. They might look at themselves and think, why do I not look like that? Why do oh, I 100%. When she doesn't. Why does Kim Kardashian have the most amazing curves and I don't? And yeah. a lot of it is probably edited. And it's, but when you're like a young teenager, you don't really think about the fact that it's edited. You just see it for what it is. Yeah. And you think that it's real. So I think this it's, it's very, I'm kind of glad that they're thinking about putting this kind of regulation in place because <clears throat> it can really affect you. And going back to what we said about eating disorders, you know, it, it for me at the time social media wasn't a massive thing but it was very i used to watch like all the music videos and the celebrities and yeah. it really perpetuated my eating disorder looking at all of these perfect mm. bodies and these perfect people online so um yeah i do think putting in these regulations might help to decrease you know eating disorders and body dysmorphia I think yeah, so as well. Yeah, 100%. I think more, even even if it's not people's Instagrams, I think more like ad, like corporations and advertisers and stuff, I think more need to take responsibility. Like yeah. these big budget places, they shouldn't be just making, getting supermodels and then making them look even more amazing and just... I know, it's so toxic because it gives like women and boys like the expectation to uphold for like a future partner or how to look and stuff like that. And it's mm. just awful. Yeah, exactly. It's also fake. And I think big corporations, Instagram, any social medias, I think they all should have a bit of responsibility when it comes to this kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Do you um do you diet? Do you have like a specific diet that you go on? Like food wise, are you vegan or vegetarian or? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm vegan. So oh. I've I've been vegan for about. Hmm, how long has it been now? About seven or eight months. Um, but prior to that, I've been vegetarian for about six or seven years. And I've honestly never been a massive meat or dairy consumer. I, I don't like most dairy as it is. The only thing I used to eat was um, yogurt that was dairy-based. Mm. Okay. And then in terms of meat, I'd occasionally have chicken, but that was pretty much it. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, I'm mainly vegan for the ethical reasons, but also because it's so easy for me to not eat meat or dairy because I don't really like either of them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So yeah. 
Well, as you're vegan, do you find shopping a lot more expensive than if you weren't vegan? Because I think like buying meat and stuff is a lot cheaper than buying alternatives. Um, I I do think some vegan food is very expensive, but at the same time, it's quite difficult for me to compare it because I think when I was like before I was vegetarian was when I lived at home, so I didn't really mm. like buy my own food. Okay. Whereas pretty much since I've moved out and since I've been at uni and lived on my own, that's when I've kind of transitioned into full like vegetarian or vegan. Mm. But I do think I think it is can get really expensive, especially like the like meat alternative products. You're looking at like three pounds for something that you're gonna eat in one sitting. Yeah. It's quite expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Do you um do you have to put a lot of research into the vegan diet? Because obviously there's stuff like iron that you would get in meat. Do you need to take supplements or can do you have to like research put a lot of effort into what you're looking for? Oh yeah, that's a good question. So <laughs> I, I mean, I've always been very interested in nutrition. So mm. I think for me, I already have quite a good baseline level of nutrition anyway. But for somebody who has no idea about any like kind of nutrition, they want to go into veganism. Yeah. The main yeah. supplements they do need or the main things that they need to look at is really the uh, calcium levels, iron, zinc and B12. Okay. And you can get all of these in supplements you can get all of these in food in vegan food apart from b12 b12 is predominantly in animal products right so oh wow i yeah so you kind of have to take a b12 supplement if you're vegan or you just are deficient in it but i wouldn't recommend you to do that no (laughs) yeah (laughs) the supplements i take are i take a multivitamin um i take b12 I take calcium and magnesium and I take zinc and omega-3s. So I take quite a lot. Right. I don't think you need to take all of them, but um, I like to be covered. Yeah. Do you like take them all at once every morning or evening? Yeah, I just literally just take them all in one go. Wow. <laughs> Get over with. Just pill popping every morning. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, we're um, we're coming towards the end of our interview. Um, did you um, want to? So, did you want to tell everyone where we can where we can find you? Yeah, of course. So, firstly, thank you for having me. It's no been worries at all. to speak to you guys. And um, I guess my podcast is called Finding My Fit. Mm-hmm. It's available on pretty much every podcast platform. The main places are like you know Spotify, uh, Apple, Google. Yeah. Um, if you want to check out my Instagram. I have two. So I've got one that's my name, Athena Crilly, and I have one for my podcast, which is Finding My Fit Podcast. Cool. I'm also on TikTok and YouTube. Um, and if you want to find my book, it's available on Amazon. Ah, brilliant. Amazing. Perfect. You've got a website. I'm loving well, all you? that plugin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many things. I'm like, this is like a list of stuff. <laughs> um, you've, you've got a website, haven't you, for your um, coaching? Yes, I have. So the website is kind of, I'm in the middle of buying a domain for it. Okay. Um, so I, I will if I could send you guys the link and if you want to maybe put that in the show notes because it's quite like a long yeah absolutely yeah, yeah, 100%. yeah that's got like all of my um, coaching information as well as my podcast on there if people are wow. interested perfect yeah well absolutely we'll do that thank you so much for coming on our show yeah thank you so much I love what you're doing keep it up oh thank you so much I love your podcast too oh thank <laughs> you so much <laughs> 
Okay, that was Athena from the Finding My Fit podcast. It was so nice to have her on. The reason that we did this special um, episode this week is because the, just last week, uh, the 1st to 7th of March, it was Eating Disorders Awareness Week, actually. Yeah. So did you know that, T? I did know that. Ah, well, <laughs> Hence why we did the collab. <laughs> yeah, so if um, I know, guys, we do plan things in advance. <laughs> But um, so if anything, if anyone wants any information about eating disorders or beating eating disorders, obviously there's Athena with her podcast as well as her book. There's also a government website called beatingeatingdisorders.org.uk, but it can be disorders in all shapes and sizes, binge eating, obesity, anorexia, bulimia, all of those sort of ones. So, um, but no, it was really nice to hear a genuine, you know, serious story. It's not all... Yeah, it was, it was nice to do a serious podcast episode instead of a normal jokey one, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's not all fun and games, is it? No, there is but... some, you know, there's serious stuff happening. Yeah, no, of course. But how did you, how did you find it, T? I thought it was really good, really informative, and she's a really impressive uh, woman. She's doing a lot for people, I think, so... Yeah, no, hopefully... definitely. Yeah, hopefully it all pays off, and you know, definitely contact her if anyone is in need of help. Mm. We'll have to uh, we'll have to write a court case book at some point. <laughs> oh God, what would we even write one about? Thousand. I I don't know. What, mm, I don't know. Just the amazing journey that we've taken so far in the podcasting world. You know? Uh, uh, yeah. Um, I am not a writer. I I I'm awful. So you'll be on your own for that one. A guide on how to podcast. I mean, yeah. So we can do that. For that people. could be a cool one. Like we could go down the coaching route, <laughs> route like Athena, but teach people how to do a podcast instead. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry, Athena. We're now copying you. <laughs> Just to add on to the end of our episode, we have announced a giveaway to celebrate the fact that we've got one thousand followers on Instagram and one thousand listens or over. And 1,000 listeners. Not to yeah. brag. <laughs> um, which is, you know, which is really good for since we yeah, started. Yeah, no, I, I'm really happy for us. Yeah, no, I've loved it. And um, I'm happy that so many people are supporting and listening. Mm. But to celebrate that, we are doing a giveaway over on our Instagram page. So if you want to get involved in that, please head over to our Instagram at Court Case Podcast. Um, we've got some great prizes in the works with one of our sponsors that we had a sponsorship with which is leb illustrates she's follow um, her on uh, instagram as well it's lebr yes so she's going to be sorting out some goodies um for you guys to win um and we've also got our recently very recently our podcast has moved on to youtube as well so you can head over to the YouTube account, which is the Court Case Podcast. And believe it or not, <laughs> yeah, believe it or not. And if you know, if um, Spotify and Apple Podcasts and stuff isn't your way that you like to digest podcasts, if you like to get them up on YouTube instead, then that's the way that you can do it. You can head over to I YouTube mean, now. YouTube's pretty cool. It's got a little wave bar and everything when we talk. So yeah, it's nice. the The new host site that I do the podcasts on automatically makes them for us, which is really yeah. nice of them. Like and subscribe, guys. Like and subscribe. <laughs> yeah, please like and subscribe. Make some comments. Get some conversation going. Um, we've got a Patreon account as well if you want to support us because we do need all the help that we can get. So that is, if you want to support us, you can head over to our website for that. That's www.courtcasepodcast.com and it's in the support us tab. And if you fancy a little read, there's a blog on that website as well. But that's us plug in. 
and over and out yeah so thank you so much again guys for tuning in and uh, please support us on all the channels and we will definitely see you next week thank you for listening guys and we will be back next week just me and james and we've also got another collab for the end of the month so that'll be really exciting stay tuned for that yeah loads of amazing stuff coming up real soon guys so stay tuned we hope you enjoyed and we will see you all next week bye planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.